What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the third edition of the Hardwood Amino Podcast. I'm your host, Snake, and today we have none other, none other than my co-host, Slensei. What's going on, man? And go ahead and do your legendary intro. <laughs> what is up, my beautiful buttercups? It is your boy, the man that you find in your kitchen at 12 a.m., your favorite midnight snack, Slensei, here in the building, my man, Snake. How are we all doing today? <laughs> doing great, man. We... We have a special one for you guys today. Uh, we're bringing on a fellow staff member, a uh, pretty big Clippers fan, um, our first European guest. So that's always great. We love our Europeans. Um, and my fellow staff member, Joe, what's going on, man? What's up, guys? It's great to be here. Um, yeah, I got to say, Slant, you got to keep it up with these introductions, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah, oh, I know. Man. Nobody can top that, man. Nobody. Yeah. Nah, no one can't. But um but but uh on a on a on a real note right now, um man, you know how the format goes. We're gonna be talking hardwood, we're gonna be talking uh clippers because Jell's a big Clippers fan, and then of course just NBA talk in general. Uh we might actually get into some NFL talk because Jell's recently been uh, obsessed with football, but uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Yep, but uh, I, I'm gonna dread going to that. You, you yeah, know why? But, <laughs> yeah, but uh, just want to start off the the Q and A here with a uh, first question, and this is the first question that we're always gonna be asking guests when they come on the show: is who is that one member that's no longer active? But when he was on Hardwood, he was like cool to be around. Who is that one guy for you, Joe? Um. Well, I, I clearly I haven't been on the app as long as you guys have been. So, um, for me, that that group is a lot lot smaller. Um, for sure, from people I know that have left. But for me, it's it's got to be Ferg, man. I mean, that guy was just legendary to be around in the chat. It was always funny, always jokes, always mistakes, typos, everything. It was just it was always a Always a blast when he was in the chat, and that's just yeah. So for me, that that's the that's the guy. Yeah, yeah Ferg's a Ferg's, Yeah, Ferg's a Ferg's a dope guy, man. Whenever I talked to him in PMs, he was always really uh, uplifting, and just his mood was always. He was always a fun guy to be around, but also you learned a lot from him. I think. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, and and you learn a lot from him not only from hardwood, but also like other things that I took away from him. So. Uh, I think I think he'll still be on the app. I'm not sure, but he's busy with his fan sighty gigs. So um, yeah, know, exactly. About that he's writing. Time, a- yeah, you know, but that's good for him. You know, I mean, really think it's great that he gets to to follow his passion and and really make his name for himself in that field. So that's just great. No, uh, for sure. I agree. Yes, Slen, were you close to Ferg? Uh, not really, but kind of. We were in Hobble, and we usually talked a lot, but I wasn't really like, close, close to him like that. But I knew of him, and I always hanged out with him. It was always a blast. Like, the legend of Junk Ferg lives on because of everything that he said in that Hobble chat. Like, everyone knows about Junk Ferg, and... The fact that he can't even like type on his keyboard, like even in like a regular setting. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen someone make so many typos in one conversation <laughs> before. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Oh no! The worst part is like he would go around. Like, there's a reason as to why he's one of the best bloggers on the app and why he has a fan sided gig. This man, even though he has so many typos, he can write a killer ass blog with no like mistakes on it. And you're like, yeah, this, exactly. this guy. This guy right here, like, now what? I mean, like, when I first joined the app, I wasn't really like in conversations with him or in chats with him at all. So I only read his blogs, and his blogs were so are so good and so perfectly well written, no mistakes, no no typos, no nothing. And then you see him in a chat, and dude can't send a message without ten typos in it. You know what I mean? I was so confused. <laughs> Bro, that's mellow Ferg for you, though. <laughs> like, yeah. There you go, yeah. Oh, man. All right. So, 
with your favorite hardwood member out of the way, like who you would bring back? I want to know what your favorite hardwood moment is. Like throughout your entire course on hardwood, what has been the defining moment for you as to why you stayed on the app? Well, the defining moment for me, um, because you know, not a lot of people um, who are not close to me know this. When I joined, I joined Hardwood like um, it's been over a year now. I think it was somewhere in August 2018, but I was only on the app for like three days. I had no one to talk to, couldn't find any like chats that were really like active and stuff. So I left. And then later when I started to really like get interested in writing, I came back and that was in like halfway through December of 2018. And then around that time, there were the signups for HFDL season three. Right. And that literally like, um, yeah, that boosted my entire Hartwood career, my my friends, my, you know, it, it literally blew it all up. And I became like, I got put in chats with a lot more people, private chats with the longtime members. And yeah, that's, that's really, without that draft, without being drafted there by the storm, I would not have been on, um, on Hartwood anymore right now. No, for sure. HFTL is a big part of what I was able to accomplish on on the app. And uh, that's interesting, though, because you you were blogging when you came back. And um, I'm assuming you took a break, right, from Hardwood um, up until, like, late 2018, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so – and then you came on the blog. So it's surprising that, like, HFDL did that. Not, well, when did you join Hobble? Um. Hubble, like, like a month later, what, what actually happened was I, I've never been drafted in Hubble. What happened was I signed up for that G League league that they had around then, the develop, developing blogging league they had. And, oh, you were a part of that? Well, no, not exactly. I was on a team there, but, but by the time I joined, that thing died. It, it literally, I never got to play a game there. I was on the team, never got to play a game. Then, and that was the the affiliate from the Wolverine. So Rory called me, uh, called me up to the to Hubble, then traded me to the Bullets. And yeah, so that that's basically how I got in there. <laughs> Gertie picked me Damn. up, trade, and yeah, for two seasons, uh, I blocked there pretty much weekly. Um, yeah, because it, it was really, really strange. It also went all very fast. I got called up and I think like 12, 12 hours later, I was in the, was traded already again. Wow. Damn. And so you were, you were used as a sure. trade asset. Yeah. For majority of the time at least. Yeah, and then once you got in the board, uh, we'll next seven, you basically wrecked my squad. Uh, yeah, the bullets just made it great, you know, because um, Gertie really allowed me to block and to just do my thing and give feedback, and that really, like, helped my development yeah. as a blogger and my passion for it as well. And it really taught me a lot of stuff, and I think if I had not been traded to the bullets, I would not have been quite the decent blocker I am right now. Got you. Nah, man, like, oh. like, do they, do they still use the, um, because I know a lot of teams still use, and it's, and it's always great to have, like I had, when I came into Hobble and I don't, I don't really have time to blog anymore, but when I, when I came up in the ranks in Hobble, I used to blog for, uh, pores, if you guys know who that is. Yeah, so, yeah, poor, uh, poor thing. Yeah, and so yes. pores was like my blogging mentor, and then I had, I had choke on there, which that's a long story as well. Um, but then, <laughs> like, what really helped too for us was that we had, and we we created a separate amino where we would get feedback on all of our blogs, and I think a lot of 
teams, especially in like t- leagues like HPL and then uh, Hobble as well, they have separate aminos where you can post on there and get feedback from your teammates before posting it on hardwood. And I think that's important down the stretch when you're trying to win a chip in order to get feedback and improve and to make the most out of your blogs. I think that's important as well. Yeah, no, the Bullets had that too when I joined. And, like, I used that a lot for about the first one and a half season I was there, really. And then I was a little bit more confident, and I started using, like, grammar control and spell checker to to mainly avoid those mistakes that I had. But, we, yeah, the Bullets, and that, that really, like, it's the best way to develop someone because literally, like, Everyone on your team can give feedback at once, and it's so effective, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Um, those those aminos really do help out a lot, and I think that every team, especially if you're contending, should have one because, or even if you're trying to develop younger players um, like yourself, like you were, uh, you know, obviously like a, a first or second season player, and you want feedback from hobble veterans then that's definitely a go-to but I want to move on to my next question and obviously you're on staff and we have you know right now staff is really Will's done a great job of just recruiting a lot of guys that are doing great things right now but I want to I want to go back to um, pretty much the days before um, being staff and I just want to get your thoughts on what what the primary reason was for you getting a staff member position because you mentioned like and you, you're a big part of leagues. You've been a part of a lot of leagues and ran a lot of leagues as well. But what, what's that primary reason you think? And for me, it was like the Hardwood Weekly. But what's the primary reason for you getting staff, you think? Um, like, um, you know, I was like promoted in like October, the beginning of October. And during the summer, my activity was literally like through the roof. It was not normal. Um, the amount yeah, we of time that, I spent. Yeah, we call, and, that, we call that processing like. Yeah. Activity numbers uh, like that. <laughs> it, it was quite close to that, yeah. And, um, I mean, I was trying with community events and stuff, stuff that I'm not really doing anymore right now due to the lack of interest from the community itself. Um, down the road, I might try to bring that back. Um, when I see, like, that, the, that people really are getting that interest back for those events. Um, because, yeah, the main reason I had to shut down, for example, the 24 hours challenge is like the last one I did was like I got, I think, only like six submissions. Right. Um, I mean, it's not really like you can't really host a, a challenge or an event with only six people participating. And but yeah, I was involved in kind of like a couple of leagues and a lot of activity and and trying to do some challenges and stuff to to get members involved and yeah, then I had an interview and and that went quite well. Um, you know, just just the fact that like I'm 22 now, I was 21 at the time. Um, I'm, you know. I, I like to have my fun, but when it comes to it, I'm I'm pretty serious most of the time, and I'm just relaxed to everyone. You know, I don't try to start stuff or beef or whatever. I just try to be nice to everyone, try to be a listening ear for people who need it, and try to help out people as much as I can. And I think that really, really helped me um, getting contentious for that for the promotion and yeah then after the interview went well yeah I got it and I was pretty yeah it was just amazing for me because I really was like trying to work to that because I really wanted to to leave an impact on the community and um yeah to to try to make it as active as possible again and try to make it a place that that's enjoyable for everyone. Yeah. I think that that's, that's pretty key to, and I think that that's what the staff looks for when they're trying to recruit new staff members is leadership. I think a lot of different staff members on there embody that. 
Uh, if you talk about me, uh, shout out Brian. Brian's in a, in a – he runs a lot of leagues. I don't know how he does it, quite honestly. And uh, it's, it's absolutely crazy. <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, and then obviously you, you have, you have. I mean, other other guys too that that aren't on staff run leagues, and I think that they deserve to be on as well. Um, not only their leadership in leagues, but obviously activity levels as well. I feel like that they're they're very active members, and and I think that you pointed out good too is not getting involved in a lot of drama. And that's important as well because you need to get along with, with staff members and then, and you want to show to them that you don't get involved in a lot of stuff. I don't like to get involved in a lot of stuff on there. I like, I like positivity and just keeping it, you know, cool and calm and like the scenario, just, just uh, having a good time and not starting really any beef with, with anyone. And, and I try to steer away from that, but. I thought of so. Yeah, I, no, I thought that was exactly. Point. Yeah, I mean that that's like really important because the thing is, it's all nice and well to have some drama and stuff because it, I mean it gives some topic of conversation down the road. But in the end of the day, when you're on staff and you're known as a guy who gets into a lot of like confrontations and drama and controversial stuff, it it, it just it's not a good look for for a staff member. So, and I'm definitely I'm I'm not a fan of it. Um, yeah, it's it's not in my personality to really be like that. Usually, when it when the stuff picks up, I used to just like leave the chat, go somewhere else, do something else. I mean, it's just not for me. Um, I'm not very well with argumentation and stuff, so the base is also not for me. But like. It's just really important for the staff to to show the community that they are um, that they are mature enough to to handle the things the right way. Yeah, to be to be fair, yeah, to everyone. But yeah, I I would definitely agree with um, a lot that what was said. Uh, Slen thoughts? Uh, I mean, I agree for the fact that, you know, you have to have, a, like, a good leadership mentality to really be, like, on staff. Not even just a curator, but, like, a leader in general. Because you have to be, like, an influential person, kind of. Like, you have to be that leader that everyone can go to. And not only that, but Yell here has been doing a great job of just being a positive influence for people. Like, just, I mean, he helped me in one of my worst times, too. Like, I, I got to still talk about that at some point. That's going to be, like, way down the line, though, when I'm comfortable with it. But he definitely was, like, a big, big fan. I mean, I thank him a lot for that. And that's why we're kind of close the way we are right now, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you um, – I'm in a situation in real life where I've seen that kind of stuff um, with my mom and right now with my – with my partner, it's like depression has been a thing, a theme in which I've been involved since like I was quite young. So, you know, when I see someone in need, I just try to be there and like try to help and just be a positive influence on them because, you know, it, it seems unreal to some people, but just one positive message can leave so much uh, can have so much impact on on the way a person feels about themselves yeah, yeah that's that's what's up man like we need to have people at a time where like when you look at the world today it's starting to become a trend where we're starting to go the wrong direction like you know in terms of humility and all that and there's not really that much going around anymore like there used to be. Like, yeah, you still have, like, you know, the other day I saw this story of, like, a kid hugging this pizza delivery guy. Like, he lost his daughter or something. Like, there's not that much of that left in the world. And, like, it's kind of not just the leaders and curators' jobs, but I want to say that it's everyone's job to just be a positive influence on everybody because you don't know what's happening, like, behind the scenes. And to be honest, it's really it, – it kind of hurts – it really does, but it's always nice to have someone, like, holding your back and all that, just being there for you to catch you if you fall. It's one of the best things that you can have, and Yell embodies that, in my opinion. Like, he really does. Yeah. 
Yeah, it just goes to show you the, the you know, we're, we're more than like an online community and you know, it's, it's more than just that. And there's a lot more positive people than negative people um, in the world. So it's, that's what's up, man. Uh, that's definitely yeah. like, good words. But uh, no, nah, I mean, oh, that's some real. Yeah. Speaking of like, you know, before, well, we talked about how before you were a leader, you like worked your way up and all that. But I want to know how it feels now, like how it feels to be a leader and one of the biggest amino platforms like on the app. Like what are, you know, the repercussions, I guess you could say, of being one and just being that influence to everybody? Like, how does that feel? Um, you know, it's like, I mean, um, <laughs> it's, it's great. You know, it, it comes with a lot of controversial opinions from the community itself because they cannot always understand the decisions we as staff have to make. And that's, that's perfectly understandable. Um, for me, it's just, you know, like it feels great. I just tried to set an example for everyone on to just follow the rules and we have because I'm the opinion like when you follow the rules that are in place you will have not just a great place to come on and and chat but it will be it will be clean it won't offend anyone and you will just get the community closer as a whole you know just because I think, you know, right now, um, like, our activity numbers are not bad at all. Like, we have a lot of daily logins and monthly time span and stuff. That's all. It's all very, it's, it's very high. It's just, like, that the group of people that is, like, really um, consistently active is actually quite small. So, we have a lot of people checking in, even, but... Those people, they don't stay for like 30 minutes, 20 minutes. They, they check in, they check their messages. Maybe have some people in PM they respond to and then they're gone for maybe the rest of the day or for a couple of hours or half the day. Who knows? But like the people that are online, like a lot, I feel like when everybody treats each other with respect, it, it only, um, it only makes the value of the community higher because you will create friendships and that friendships is really in the what keeps people on this place because it's not just about the ability or the possibility to write it's like having those friendships and those friends that you can chat with when you're free and bored or feeling down and they want to they can cheer you up or it's just for a fun talk whatever the friends and the chats that's basically what's keeping those people so i find that you know when you keep the rules there strict and you enforce them it just creates a safer environment for the younger people but still an interesting and fun environment for everyone yeah and then putting and then putting people down doesn't help either. So I think uplifting no. people is definitely the way to go. Um, and yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's just common sense, man. Like if you want to be treated a certain way, don't you know? Don't say something to someone that's gonna that's gonna put them down. Put you know, say something that that will will be positive in the end. And and you know, treat treat people how the way that you want to be treated. I think that's the whole um, moral of the story. Uh, but nah, man, uh, we want to, uh, and obviously appreciate, uh, your opinions on like the, all the hardwood stuff, but, um, son, you have any more questions on the hardwood topic? Cause I was going to switch over to Clippers talk. Uh, I do have one more question, just kind of like a lightning round type of thing. Uh, the end of the regular season of HFDL season seven is coming upon us. And before we do go to NBA talk, I do want to ask. Uh, what was probably your favorite moment of the season? It doesn't have to be like, you know, with the team or anything. It can be like in the HFDL public chat. It can be just, you know, anything about the season so far. Like, what have you enjoyed about it? Um, yeah, you know, this is not a typical answer for me, but um, like my personal 
season, like how it went for me personally, because, you know, usually I'm more like the team guy. And, um, but my, on my first team, it didn't really end very well. <laughs> I kind of forced my way out of there and now I'm on the ballers and that time has just been, it's been great there. And it's, it's fun. It's with friends. It's a lot of laughter. It's a lot of just fun stuff. And that's great. And I enjoy that a lot. Um, so yeah, it's either or the moment I got traded to the ballers, which just like <laughs> kept me there, or like you know my personal season. I mean, I went four and zero, oh, so <laughs> a little small flex here. Yeah, we need to probably the only one you will hear. <laughs> yeah, we we need to get on these GMs for trading you so much, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna slap them, man. Jesus. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, it fair, wasn't exactly on. Fair, yeah, to be fair, in in Yell's defense, uh, I would have wanted a trade too. I'm I'm one of the most loyal people on the app, but my God, <laughs> I would have demanded uh, it. I mean, you know, no offense to Jack and all, because he just tried to make the team as good as possible in his sense, and but um, you know. I wanted to be on the team which HFS, which was the reason I didn't retire before this season. And when he got traded, I was like, oh, well, what am I going to do here? <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I kind of had to force my way out. It's not exactly the GM's fault that I got traded. It was, it was literally on me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, sometimes when you get traded, you're viewed as a valuable asset anyway, so it's not a bad thing. And it views it like you're wanted by other teams, but... I mean, yeah, it it happens, and and you know, I've I've moved around. Yeah. I thought I was going to be with the nightmare for you know for seasons to come, but then I I realized that they weren't really building a team around me that was I wanted to contend, and that's why I moved yeah. on, and I was able to win a chip with with the Ballers. Jump, wait, is Jump still the GM of them? Yes. Okay. He yeah. He's still the GM. He's still GM, and he's looking like it's going to win uh, GM of the year. Although, to be honest, I think Wade and uh, Darren are probably, like, close behind him with what they've done. Yeah, you know, I think, to be honest, like, Wade really deserves this, this season, because when he got the, the Bayhawks, like, when he took over that position, like, they had nothing or no one at all. And then he picks up Slan out of nowhere and He's immediately MVP candidate, and then you have he, he picks up times, and it's just he did a great job with the team. I mean, this is the first time in the history of HFDL that the Bayhawks had a winning season, <laughs> and yeah. like, it's only the second time they made the playoffs, and they're the third seed right now. I, I think you know, Jump did a great job and the first seed and everything, but I think you know. Objectively, I would think like weight would be like his biggest competition in that aspect. Just because oh, he did so good, like he literally built it up from the ground, you know. Yeah, I still and I respect it because I had to do it myself for two seasons in a row. <laughs> yeah, I st- I still need a team up at some point before I retire from HFDO. I don't know when that would be, but yeah, yeah, so. With that, with that being said, uh, man, I want to transition to your favorite team, the Los Angeles Clippers, and they're obviously making oh. a big, big push, acquiring a bunch of people, uh, and probably one of the more stacked teams we've seen, uh, not only this season, but in seasons before, uh, but I want to start off with uh, day one, when you became a Clippers fan, what... You know, how did you become a Clippers fan? Run me through that process. Um, yeah, this goes way back to 2000. I um, see 12. This was somewhere like October. Um, it's 2012. I was in high school, and it's when I I had a laptop for school and. Yeah, you know, as a 14-year-old kid, you're not exactly interested in a lot of the school stuff you have on there. So I downloaded 2K because a friend of me was playing it. Downloaded 2K11. I didn't want to buy anything yet. 2K11? was the first time I played it. And Throwback. Yeah, it goes way yeah. back. 
and uh, it's still the best one I played to this day, by the way. Um, and you know, I was like, I started liking basketball, and I got like, in, uh, to me, in the beginning, that was all about dunks, you know, and YouTube dunks, NBA, and what first video that pops up Blake Griffin dunk contest 2011 highlights. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I became a fan of Blake Griffin and I became a fan of the Clippers. Wow. <laughs> and then knowing that you got traded to the Pistons, like, I think right after, I believe, you were probably just like, were you really? Oh, no, that was like after? No, that was a couple of years oh, after okay. already. Like, after that, a couple of years after I became a fan already. And, and by that point, I wasn't a fan of Blake Griffin anymore at all. He literally lost, lost my. My loyalty, the moment he hit the equipment manager and broke his hand, like a week before his return, yeah. he was supposed to return from a, from a leg injury or something, and he hit the equipment manager, and he was out for five more weeks. I was like, oh, God, now you've done it, you know? <laughs> I was pissed. I was very pissed. So when we traded him to the Pistons, I wasn't mad at all, you know? I thought we got a good package in return. It was like, I was happy. Yeah, that's... Yeah, you guys got, uh, you guys got Tobias, no? Tobias and um, let me think. Boban was in that trade and a first rounder. Yeah. And that first rounder turned then into. Seko Dumbaya, um, I believe. Was I it think... Dumbaya or was that? That was. No, no, no. That was um, that was the year that we drafted Shea and Jerome Robinson, and I think with that pick we drafted. Jerome, because that was the, the pick, the 16th pick, and we had the 15th pick. And we took, with the 15th, we took Miles Bridges, traded him to the Hornets for Shea, I think, something like that it was. I believe. Because the Hornets took, I think, they took Shea just like one or two picks ahead of us. And, or was, were they picking after us that year? No, they were definitely picking before us that year. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's man. basically what. Well, it, yeah. That was basically our situation with Dion Waiters. Fuck him, by the way. Excuse my language, but fuck him. <laughs> the, the overfloated gummy bear. Just, yeah. Oh, I hate him so much. And he's probably about to get a ring, too. He's probably about to get a ring. And that's what makes me so mad. Not if it's up to us. They, <laughs> they do have to go through the Clippers, but man, I am so mad. Like, this man basically went from eating gummy bears yeah. and overdosing on gummy bears on a plane to potentially getting an NBA ring in the span of a singular season. Like, I wish I could sit on my ass and get an NBA ring. That would be fucking fabulous. But no, I can't. Nah, I've never been a fan of waiters. Me either. Never. Never liked Now, Now, let me ask you this question, Joe, because uh, we obviously, and, and you and I have talked about uh, the knuckleheads, So, and that's probably my favorite podcast. Yeah. And it's two former Clippers on there. Uh, so what, like, yes. because you say your, your, obviously your, um, your love for the Clippers starts out in early two thousand tens, like you said. But have you watched? Have you yes. watched those throwback Clippers team? And like, what's your thoughts on them? If you have, um, I've watched like I've watched highlights. You know, like uh, what I could find. Um, I mean, the Clippers were. Not exactly a great team in the early 2000s when they were really like, because this is the thing about those teams, you know, they were hella fun to watch. They just were not very good. Yeah. And um, like full games, uh, I struggled to find, but um, like highlights and stuff, I've watched a ton of it. And like, if if I look at those teams, like. It's just amazing, and it's so sad that we had. Now I want to curse that we had <laughs> such a idiot as an owner who didn't know what he who was too too stingy to pay anyone. Yeah, don't sorry. Like, I, I'm so glad we got rid of him. I'm so glad we got rid yeah, of him. It was a bad situation I mean, with him. Like he was a racist, and he it, was just it was, he was a bad human yeah. being in general. That's not really what you need in an NBA yeah. organization. No, exactly. So, like, and I think like have we had have we had Steve Ballmer Ballmer at that time? I think 
those teams would have turned out a lot different. He's- That's just my opinion, but it's like, I mean, those teams were so fun to watch. It's a very young, athletic, running, making spectacular plays, and you know, it's just it, it's what makes basketball fun to watch. You know, like those crazy plays, those dunks, those alley oops, fast-paced play. Is is just really what captivates the beauty of basketball. And that and that's what those teams did really well in the early 2000s, but it never really translated into wins. Bad coaches, bad owner. Yeah. Maybe a lack of very smart draft choices. I mean, I got it. I'm, I'm not quite sure about the year, but there was literally a point in that there was a season that Michael Oloa Kendi was the highest paid player on the Clippers. Oh, wow. I'm not even joking. Oh. This was like 2002 or 2003. I'm not joking. Because this was like, he was picked like one or two seasons after they they um, they established that like um, draft picks were required to have a minimum salary. Right. So he became automatically like, Nobody was making over a million on the Clippers that year, except for Michael Olowakini. <laughs> when I found that out, I was so sad. <laughs> so I, sad. Yeah, the situation was so sad. I honestly don't know how that happened. <laughs> I really don't like. I understand that he was looking like a young prospect. Like young prospects should get money if you want them to stay. But with what he did for the Clippers, he did nothing. Like I basically did the equivalent of him oh. by just sitting on my couch and writing blogs. <laughs> that's a fact. But that that's not even true. I mean, he was worse. He was they worse. Kareem, they got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to mentor this. Oh, kid. he didn't listen. And he thought yeah, he was he too didn't good. Listen to him. He was <laughs> listen to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That was that was that was Candy. I thought that was Down Bear. Oh no, it was all over Candy. Oh I mean, dude, God, imagine. <laughs> Imagine just dissing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as if he's not imagine, a legend. Imagine one of the gold centers coming up to you, trying to mentor you, and you're not listening because you think you're better than him. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is a tough player of all time. Wow. Dude. Getting by draft bust in history. That's insane. No, but Steve Ballmer's done a great job. Um, turning that organization around. I love that. Yeah. I mean, man, like, I love like, dude, like, just to think, because also you have to think those teams in the early 2000s were really exciting to watch, but also you had a, a you, really a, a team that was dominating the early 2000s in the LA Lakers in the same city. So in order to, yeah. you know, in order to, now you have Kawhi and PG and all these these guys that not only, I mean, we talk about, now, there's such a great defensive team. one of the best defensive teams I'm, I've seen. Um, and obviously you have the Bucks who are putting up historic defensive numbers as well. But just like the job that Bomber's done and, and really instead of it making it all about the Lakers, you know, now and you know, we know how much history the Lakers have, but, you know, the Clippers are now trying to and, – and that's an impressive feat in order to, you know, steal some of the spotlight from the Lakers that have had the spotlight for a long time now. So, like – in order to do that, that's pretty impressive, and I I like what Bomber's doing there. Yeah, and, and you have to to think like it's actually working. You know, there is actually like there is actually people paying attention to us now. Yeah, you also got to credit Jerry West as well. He's been doing great as the uh, vice president. Like just overall yeah. being like you know. Jerry West is known as the the king of rebuilds, but I think this is one of his most impressive feats by far. He's basically turning a, like the inferior LA franchise into possibly the inferior, uh, not inferior, but superior. There you go. <laughs> I found the word. But the superior LA franchise in the span of like what two seasons? Uh, let me think. Jerry West joined us. I think Jerry West joined us like right or either either that summer that we traded Chris Paul or like this like in the course of the season like after. 
I think, and as an yeah. advisor, and like it, it literally it helped us turn that franchise around together with like the influence of Balmer. Because this is what I love about, about Balmer, you know, he's not just crazy sitting around the sidelines with his dances and his screams, and which I love, by the way, because I love that kind of energy, like from the top up, down, and but also like he's just very clever. He he lets the people who know the basketball stuff make the decisions. He's just asking the right questions at the time that it matters the most. Like should we really yeah. do this. Is Paul George really worth five first-round picks? On which Doc Rivers cleverly answered, "Yeah, well, we're not just getting Paul George; we're getting Kawhi Leonard too for five first-round picks." So yeah, he is. But you know, oh, yeah. he's asking the questions that matter when it when it matters, and that's something which really is important as the owner of a franchise because. You're not directly involved in the decisions. Like you let the people who know their stuff make the decisions, but you're questioning them if they think it's a good decision, which I think is like the perfect way to to run a franchise. Yeah, yeah. sure. I'm also going to add too. I think like Slen could agree with me on this that, for example, for a team like the Heat this year, and and the Clippers are on a whole diff- different level of going quote unquote all in this season. But the Heat are really going in this season, and, and Pat Riley sees a – and obviously, like, we're going to be big in 2021 for agency, but he really sees an opening with uh, obviously bringing in Iggy, and Crowder's been a great – like, as soon as we got Crowder, I was like – now, honestly, I feel like that's a bigger addition than what Iggy can bring just because not only not only has Crowder been playing good this season on a, on a Memphis team that, yeah, they're, the Memphis team is, like, kind of contending, but – now he can make even more of an impact, and he's made impact on teams like the Celtics and whatnot. So, yeah. like, we're a team like us in the Heat are going all in, but also from the Clippers' perspective, they're on a whole new, new level of going all in, and Ballmer's done a great job of going all in, seeing that there's a chance to win a chip, and you guys, you know, your team's got a, a great shot to win it, and getting, you know, trading Paul George for, like, you know, a bunch of picks and, and, and Shea, of course. Obviously, you got to give up. Yeah, you got to give up. Shea, who I was going to bring not up. Not too sad about trading Gallows, to be honest. Although he's been having a yeah. season, so shout out to him. But yeah, for sure. But to get to give up on, I mean, I think it has to hurt to give up a guy like Shea who has potential. Oh. But obviously, you're getting a, obviously you're getting like a a superstar like Talon and Paul George, who obviously had to sit out a little bit, but he's obviously going to be there for playoffs. But then, yeah. you know, you go out and get Kawhi and you orchestrate this whole entire, you know, Kawhi literally in one night, it was like, and I remember it shocked everyone when I was up, I happened to be up for the, for the big move that landed Kawhi and Paul George. So I saw it firsthandedly, but you know, then you have just adding a whole bunch of guys and even, you know, in the, in the buyout market, they've added, you know, some guys as well. So really they're going all in and I like what Steve Ballmer's doing. He's done a great job and he's, he's seeing that there's potential um, to win a chip this year. Which yeah, I like. He's just, Ballmer is just like, he's committed to the team. You know, he doesn't matter if he has to, how much he has to pay, what he has to pay. He's committed to this team. I mean, we're on the verge of, um, I've seen uh, like yesterday, I think on the Ballmer is trying to buy the, the forum in Inglewood, the old Lakers stadium, because they right. had problems with the permits for the new stadium. He wants a new stadium. He wants us to be out of the Staples Center, away from the Lakers, but still in LA. But to to really improve even that image still for like, we are here in LA. We are our own team. We are not just in the shadows of the Lakers. And I think he's just like, yeah. he's really doing a great job of that. He's working his ass off, just trying to make this franchise as successful as possible. And I just, I just love him for that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Before Slang gets on to his next question, I just want to ask you, we, we bring up this, this Clippers team and how great Bomber's done with them. But, you know, with every good team, there's some flaws, right? And so, um, you know, 
I want you to give, because a lot of people talk about, um, and this goes for more of, because playoffs are a different animal. We all know that. Yeah. And so what do you think? Because obviously they have a chance to go up against a team like the Lakers in, in the Western Conference Finals that everyone hopes that, that that'll happen. Um, and it probably will. Um, but then they, if they advance to the finals, which uh, I think they have a really good chance to, then they take on a team like everyone thinks the Bucks are going to be there. So what do you think uh, is one strength with this team um, that will be utilized, especially like in the playoffs? And then if you could point out a weakness that they – that they got to improve on with this team? Well, here's the thing. In my opinion, it's like our strength is definitely our bench, our depth right now, you know. I mean, it's just crazy. I got the stats right here in front of me. Both Lou Will and Montrez Harrell are averaging 18.7 and 18.8 points per game off the bench. And, I mean, that's just a, such a great boost for a team to have. It's just absolutely ridiculous what these two guys are doing. And I think our strength is there that we can really reach deep in the playoffs when it matters the most. I think that's our biggest strength right now. Like, I mean, we've got great players, of course, like Kawhi and Paul George, but when it matters the most in those tough road games in the playoffs, it's just that... And you saw that already, like, last season I found in the first round against the Warriors where everybody thought we were going to get swept. I predicted that we were going to take them to six games by the way. Trez and Lou were so important in those games, in those big comeback games that we had. Those moments, the moments that our bench hit the floor, it just, it, it changes the flow of the game. And I think that's really important for us that we have that ability to, to reach to those kind of players when we need them. Um, and then we yeah, miss. my biggest fear right now is um is our center position kind of um because you know size yeah well yeah. size is not not yeah. necessarily the issue it, it's um for me like Subak. Well, you added you did add you did add Joakim yesterday by the way. Um, yeah, which well I know you know that which is great, but um like if you look at like because Zubak has been playing a lot better than a lot of people think he has been. His impact has been very positive um, this season, but like in the playoffs, can he stay on the court, you know, for those, he's playing 18 minutes a game now, can he stay on the court for like, let's say 15, 10, 15 minutes a game? And th th that's my biggest worry right now, because last season he could not stay on the court and we really had to rely on Harold. And uh, Jermichael Green was starting a couple of those games against the Warriors, who did a great job last year. But his numbers have been a little bit down this year. His shooting, his, his shooting splits are a little bit worse. Which, yeah, so for me, like the center position um, come playoffs will be kind of like, I will have to see like what will Doc Rivers do with those the, the rotations there because you cannot expect Harold to start playing like 38 minutes a game in the playoffs against the taller centers in, in, in the conference. Yeah, and I think that yeah. uh, with that being said, you did add Joakim. Uh, yeah. What do you think his impact is going to be for the team? Do you think he's going to get any playing time? If he's just going to be like a veteran in the locker room to where, you know, he just adds that veteran presence like what do you see Joakim Noah doing on this team? Well, to be honest, I think he will get his minutes, you know. Um, and I think what, what, what we're going to ask from him to provide is like rim protection and rebounding, kind of like, like how the Lakers brought in Howard with that same intention. I think our goal is to, to really like bring in Noah and, and have him do kind of the same thing because – I think he's like what six ten, six eleven, maybe. Six eleven. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he was a very great defensive player in his prime. So if he can like provide us with a little bit more rim protection and rebounding, then I think come playoff time he will definitely get get quite a bit of minutes. I think. 
I mean, Harold will still probably take up most of the minutes in that center spot when the playoffs start. But um, yeah, I think it's very, very possible that Green will play more power forward and that Noah will see like the time that Zubak is not on the court, which when when we're up against like the Lakers with McGee and AD, that might actually be a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm afraid because Zubek is great, but he's just not mobile enough to to like keep up with the likes of AD or or even uh, I think McGee might even give him problems. Even though, yeah, I mean, rim protecting is, yeah. is my biggest worry right now. And if Noah comes in and does that for us, I don't mind him playing 15, 10, 15 minutes a game at all. Yeah, and then um, obviously you add that, and a lot of teams actually need rim protection, um, in my opinion. Uh, a team like uh, – and, and Bam's done a great job for us, but I think that uh, rim protector would be great for the Heat. And then a team like the Rockets, who are, I guess, really just going with small ball. That's um, crazy. So oh, I guess – The crazy thing is it's been working. Yeah, like, it is crazy. Like, it's been working. It hasn't been yeah. working, like, you know, the Clippers or the Lakers, per se. Well, it worked against the Lakers, like, when they first made the trade. But, I mean, we see they're actually starting to game plan against it very well, so. Yeah, no, I think yeah, the, the Rockets are doing doing okay right now. My, my question is more, like, how, how will it go in the playoffs, you know? Because yeah. you, you have to keep in mind that, that now when – most of the centers right now are playing probably like around around the low 30s a game. And, mm-hmm. you know, come playoff time, that, that will go up. And then the question is like against guys like Jokic and um, are the Mavs still in the playoffs? They are, right? The Mavericks? Uh, yeah. Or are, uh, they, I don't think so. are they under it? Uh, yeah. They yeah. Yeah, they are. No, they're, they're a seven-seater. Oh, seven. Yeah, okay. so like – so, like, when they go up against, like, the guys like Persingas, Jokic, AD, McGee, and that, those kind of guys, then I'm really, like, is it going to work when those type of guys start playing, like, 35, 38 minutes game, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then, like, right now, if the playoffs were to start right now, uh, Rockets are – and the Jazz and Rockets are pretty – I mean, it seems like I just said this when I was recording my – other podcasts yesterday. I mean, it seems like every year you have the Jazz and the Rockets matching up. Um, so the Jazz and the Rockets would be playing each other right now. And you wonder if, uh, you know, teams got to go up against a guy like Gobert um, or this team being the, the Houston Rockets. I don't know if that small ball will work. Uh, it's questionable. But so. th- that's kind of tricky. In, in my opinion, then, then it would depend also, again, because Gobert, is also kind of like limited in his mobility. Like, do they get their three pointers to fall? Then it will work. What, will they not get their shots to go in? And they have to start like getting into the paint. Then it might cause problems for them. Yeah, well, that's where you have to rely on the three ball, and, and you have to be efficient. And and your shots have to go. You know, like because Westbrook is without. He's having a great season, but he's still not the greatest of shooters. And Harden has been struggling, like, I think the last month or so. And, like, mm-hmm. if you don't get Eric Gordon and whoever you play at the center spot. P.J. Tucker. Yeah, P.J. Tucker and, and whoever else still Covington. runs. Covington, yeah. If those guys and the bench don't get their shots to go in, then I think – then I take the Jazz, you know. And But this is a seven-game series, so – I think that series will be very interesting, but, you know, if they get their shots to go, they might might actually cause a lot of problems for the Jazz just because of of the problems Gobert has, like, stepping out of the paint. But if they have to start attacking the paint, I'll take the Jazz anytime. For sure. And Gobert's, uh, you know, Gobert's scary at the rim, man. You don't want to meet that guy. No. Um, But... Man, uh, we're talking about other teams right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that leads to my – well, that leads to my next question. And uh, I want to know – well, first, let's go with who's your favorite Clippers player to watch right now um, on this year's team. And then right now in the league, who's your favorite non-players Clipper to watch? 
Oh, the the first one is tough, you know, because um, Paul George has been for several seasons like one of my top three favorite players in the league. But this season, um, people, you know, when you look at his stats, it, it looks all quite normal, like 21 points per game. Yeah, it's normal he's playing with Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, I know that. He's shooting quite efficiently and everything looks looks fine and stuff. But when I see PG play this, this season, you know, I just have the feeling something looks looks like a little bit off. He doesn't just – it seems like he's not in, in the perfect flow of his game right now, and that's kind of kind of worrying. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to go with Harold because that's really – you know, I love people who can who play with energy. I've always loved that. And when you see Harold play, that's just – it's just incredible to me, you know. Uh I'm a huge fan of him. And outside of the Clippers, I'm going to go with Giannis. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of European love right there, you know. But um, I've been a real big fan of Giannis also already for like, I think like since his second or third year in the league. Still before he really took off already, I've been a huge fan of him. Um, just his, you know, He's like a one-of-a-kind one type of player. And what he's able to, to do on the court is just is just amazing. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, no, Giannis has definitely been, um, you know, come out of, uh, you know, well, I, yeah, he, I mean, it seems like he's come out of nowhere like the past couple of years. And uh, he's brought – um, I think like a different, uh, different sort of feel, especially like for a big man, you know, um, you know, just sort of, I don't want to say redefining, but that's kind of like the word that's coming to mind right now. Um, so he's sort of just redefining, um, you know, and, and, and just him getting out in transition and, and that Bucks team, man, is, is special because it's, it's, it's perfectly built, built around him, I think. Uh, they've done a great job of adding guys that uh, that suit, and you know they're they're obviously going all in with Giannis's role and and putting these guys around him. Uh, the question is though, you know, are these guys around Giannis going to step up, um, uh, especially in the playoffs, um, and that's going to be key um, to where they go. Yeah, uh, no, but, yeah, man. That's a feeling I have too. You know, like. I think like a guy like Middleton is very dependable. He will do his thing every night, even in the playoffs. My worry is like, um, like is Bledsoe going to be able to to step it up? Because you will need him to make plays come playoff time. Because you will need Giannis to 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 be able to spread the floor at least decently enough so teams keep one apply pressure on him when he is at outside of the three-point line. But he is not the kind of guy that can really, like, dribble up to it and, and just pull up. And so if Bledsoe is not making his plays and is not performing, the Bucks could actually have some, like, very tough series going in the playoffs. Yeah. And then For I'm sure. also surprised that they weren't able to make a move uh, come the trade deadline because – a lot of people, and I agree with this, that Drew Holiday might have been on that team. And I think if you have Drew Holiday over a guy like Eric Bledsoe, oh, they should have got them, they should have got him. Yeah, yeah. I, I give him like so much better of a chance than they already have right now. So, like, yeah. man, that would have been insane to see, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. you you add like a good player, you add like a really great perimeter defender and. And someone who can knock down the three ball very consistently and still also attack the paint and and just do his thing. And I think like Drew would have fit perfectly on that team instead of Bledsoe. That's for sure, in my opinion. No, without a doubt, man. Um, no, uh, we're about to wrap this thing up. Uh, but man, I wanted to ask you. You've recently come up with this passion for uh, the NFL and and 
big, uh, I would assume, big McCaffrey fan, big Panthers fan. So where did that, where did that come come from? Like, what, uh, what's the story behind that? And like, how, you know, how, how invested have you been in? And uh, and we've talked about fancy football and all that stuff. I know this is a Harvard related podcast and and basketball related, but yeah, well, uh, just, just a really briefly, like, um, yeah, where did it come from? It just, you know, it started. Um, it started on hardwood actually. So we're, we're sticking with hardwood. Um, it started there. Yeah, you know, just some chats and. You know, when the football, the, that was right around the time the playoffs were coming around and, you know, football was coming up in a lot of conversations. And I was like, I tried to get interested in, in, in the NFL already like a couple of years ago that it just didn't really work out for me. Um, that I thought the game was too slow and it wasn't really fun. I couldn't really appreciate what football really is. And yeah, this year it really worked out. I really like, love what I was seeing and yeah it just happened and it, it went all really fast and um, I became Panthers fan I'm, I'm also I'm a I'm a fan of pretty much every UNC sport so it's already Car- Carolina um, and then of course um, yeah you know HFS is one of my best friends on the app and he's Panthers fan and so it just happened you know and since then, how invested have I been? I've been more invested in, in football since around like Christmas than I have been in basketball. Well, yeah. I've watched every Panthers game of the previous season. And um, I watched as much of the playoffs as I could watch live. And most of it I watched later the next day or the day after on YouTube. Um, yeah, so I watched everything and... I tried to watch the Super Bowl, which was in the middle of the night for me. I think I fell asleep in the fourth quarter when the Chiefs turned it around. <clears throat> I'm still still pissed off about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, I've been really invested in that. I really love it. It's it's physical. It's it's become it's very fast paced, very amazing. A lot of great plays all the time, and it's just. Um, really a lot of fun to to watch for me now i really have started to appreciate what football really is and and the way americans see it because that's basically what it is you know as a european it's really difficult to to get that vision for a sport that's not popular on your own continent and it's so 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 big somewhere else in the world like, like it's very difficult for a lot of Americans to get into soccer, although soccer, the popularity there is growing a lot. Right. So that's starting to get a lot easier. But we don't have American football leagues anymore in the earth. We had the NFL Europe and stuff, but that's long before I became a football fan, of course. Some of it long before I was even born. Um, so it's just, it's, it was really difficult for me to, to, to develop that passion for it. But now that I really devoted like a couple of hours weekly to it, I've really started to develop that myself. And I'm just, I'm, I'm very, I'm a very, very big fan of it right now. No, for sure. Uh, yeah. And we've talked about obviously in PMs about fantasy football uh, doing that next year. So I'll try to do a, See if we can get enough people because obviously it's a basketball, you know. But see if we can get some people to to hop on that. That would be for sure fun and something that I'd be down to do. But yeah, man. Uh, yeah. That's gonna do it, man. Uh, Want to thank you for being yeah. on the pod, Joe. Uh, taking your time to do this. Thank you for having me, guys. It was really great. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was really fun. We got into a lot of hardwood talk, um, and of course, Clippers basketball, um, all of the above. So. Man, uh, any last words, Joe? Uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. So, um, Yeah, I want to thank Slam. We lost connection with him, but yeah, it was a great to talk with you guys. And, um, yeah, you know, I just want to say to everyone who listens, you know, like, 
reach out to people, be nice, and you know, follow your dreams. Yeah, that's even if it doesn't work out, it's always a great investment to do so. Yeah, those are those are very great words, I think. And uh, yeah, well, that's gonna do it um, for the third episode of the Hardwood Amino Podcast. Uh, again, thank you, Joe, and um, until next until next time. Uh, we're out, so we'll see y'all. Peace.